Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your host, Rick Lawrence, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Well, hi, listeners. This is Season 5, Episode 22 of Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. By the way, um, for links and more information about this episode and everything you could ever want, just go to Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. Just put the .com on the end. My name is Rick. I'm uh, author of The God Who Fights for You, from that was released last year and was the general editor of the Jesus-Centered Bible, among many other Jesus-Centered things, including the upcoming Jesus-Centered Daily, which will be released in early October. Can't wait for the first copies to come back from the printer sometime this summer. And when we start getting first copies back uh, during the summer, I'll be back in touch with you about ways that you can get, uh, you can be among the first in the world to get a peek at this um, this, this uh, two-year effort <laughs> is really the deepest, broadest uh, project of my entire life. And it, 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 it's not a stretch to say that the Jesus Center Daily encompasses uh, every good insight I've ever had <laughs> in the last 20 years, because I had to collect all of it into one big bucket uh, in the writing process so that I could write 365 of these little, little treasures. So I'm looking forward to introducing you to that. And uh, if you uh, missed last week's episode, let me uh, re reiterate uh, some important news here. This is the last podcast I'll be recording um, while I'm still working under the group publishing umbrella. July 1st is my last day at group. So this will be the last recording I make with my uh, producer, Julia, who is also moving on. And I am having to learn now all the production that goes on behind the scenes to get this thing out to you. And I have to say uh, what is like breathing to Julia feels like uh, uh, pulling on an oar in a Viking slave ship to me. <laughs> There's so many things that are, that seem hard about it right now, but I am learning how to do the production work on this. And so we will continue to have paying ridiculous attention to Jesus podcast episodes after July 1st. There might be a few speed bumps along the way as I learn how to produce this and get it uh, and, and get it posted and all the things that have to be done to let people know that it's up and ready to listen to. So bear with me as I uh, learn this back end stuff that Julia does so effortlessly. And I just want to thank Julia and Adam before her for uh, the production work they've done on this podcast for the last, last six years. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you. We all know that people that do things that are behind the scenes and, and do it really well have such high degrees of integrity. They would do, they, they follow the speed limit when nobody's watching. That's how much integrity they have. So I, I'm so grateful for what Adam and Julia have done over the years to make this podcast possible. Now, if you want to stay connected to the podcast <clears throat> now that it's transitioning, a couple of quick things. <clears throat> if you haven't already, um, subscribe to the podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get it, subscribe to it, and it will always show up in your feed that way. You can also, I have a new e email address. It's very simple to remember. It's rick at ricklawrence.com. 
rick at ricklawrence.com. Uh, send me a note and uh, I will make sure that you, um, you're made aware when the podcast is ready. And, and also I, I might be blogging or other things on the other side of this. So if you want to stay connected, um, my new email address is rick at ricklawrence.com. Uh, we'll also on this uh, episode page, season five, episode 22, we'll add a link that would allow you to just click on the link and be added to an email list so that uh, you're officially on the list. Um, so we'll add a link to that. So just go to paying ridiculous attention to Jesus.com. Look for season five, episode 22, and there'll be a link there that you, if you want to add yourself to my email list, it takes like 10 seconds to do this. It's really not difficult. So there you have it. Um, that's the big news. Um, let's dive into episode 22 here. So um, as we ha are in the middle of this opening up of our culture, we're seeing huge spikes in coronavirus cases in certain states around the country and a new worry that we're going to have to shut down again uh, because of this. And yet it's impossible to, to um, understand how we could go back to the kind of restrictions that we once had. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine us going back to that place again, isn't it? And I have a sense inside that, that we're not going to be able to do that as a culture. We're going to have to face the music here with what's about to happen. And, but that puts us in this very kind of dicey place in our culture. Uh, we're in the in-between uh, for sure. And I've always, I've been telling people for a, a long time now, when we hit the in-between the way we are now, there's going to be a lot of tension in our culture because some people are going to be following the restrictions and guidelines that the government and scientists have given us. And some people are going to blatantly uh, disregard those things for their own reasons. And then it's going to create relational tension in our culture. And of course it is on top of the relational uh, tension we have in our, uh, in our race relations right now. So we have tension on top of tension relationally right now, not a good, place to be, a very uncomfortable place to be. And this place that we're in actually reminds me of that old game Simon Says, you know, where um, uh, if, if you're the leader of the game, you say first, Simon Says, rub your, rub your head with your right hand. And everyone who's following you has to do that. And they only do the things that are preceded by you saying Simon Says. If you don't say Simon Says, you're not supposed to do it. And the way the game works, obviously, is if you do something that Simon, Simon hasn't said, then you're out of the game. And if you don't do something that Simon said to do, then you're out of the game. Um, it's a fun uh, kind of experiment in obedience, isn't it? <laughs> of carefully paying attention and being obedient to what you're supposed to be obedient to and not to what you're not supposed to be obedient to. And in a way, we're, we're playing one massive game of Simon Says in our culture right now. Are we going to pay attention to what Simon is saying? And let's say Simon is our scientists and our government. Or are we going to disregard what Simon says? Uh, and what factors into that? Uh, wh why would we follow or not follow what Simon says? What are all the reasons why, um, for instance, some people are continuing to strictly follow these guidelines that we've been given, the social distancing guidelines and the quarantining guidelines and the mask guidelines and the hand sanitizing guidelines. Why are some people continuing to do that? And some people clearly are not. Uh, what, what underlies that? And I think some, if you think about yourself, why you have and haven't followed 
the guidelines in your life. In some cases, we follow them because it's the law and, and we believe in the law. We believe that there's a good basis for the law, that, that there are really profound and important reasons for us to continue to follow these guidelines. And some of us feel very motivated, not only by our own health, but by the health of others. We feel compassion and empathy for others, especially who are in high risk categories. And we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to slow the spread of, of this virus and not infect someone in a haphazard way uh, because we've just disregarded the guidelines. And if, if, you, if you take the, the other end of the spectrum, why is it that we sometimes disregard those guidelines? Well, basically, I, I think that it, it kind of boils down to we've, we decide for ourselves what's right. We decide if that guideline is really an arbitrary and useless guideline. We don't really believe in the underpinnings of the guideline. We don't believe it does anything. And I'm sacrificing a freedom for a guideline that doesn't really do anything. So we make that assessment ourselves. We were talking about this in our, um, our sort of home church for young adults this, this week. And uh, we, were, we were asking these same questions like, well, when you have followed the guidelines, why have you done that? And when you haven't, why have you done that? And one of the teenagers who was answering why he hasn't done it just kind of blurted out in his own innocent way, well, I don't think all these scientists and government leaders are right. I, I think that they're wrong about all this stuff. And that's why the only time I wear a mask is when I'm here at our group, <laughs> basically, because I don't believe that all of these experts are right. And he just came right out and said it. And, you know, the whole group just kind of looked at him like, you know, yeah, but seriously, <laughs> you're a you're a 16 year old kid who's decided that all of these experts are wrong about this, and you're just going to do your own thing. So you can even hear in this interchange some of the tension that rises up around this: Are we going to obey or not? And some of it gets to the who whoever is the Simon in our in our culture, who is telling us what these guidelines are and do we trust them? And if we do trust them, why do we trust them? So, um, so, so if we think about this relative to Jesus, th there's my Jesus transition right there. If we think about all this relative to Jesus, um, we, we have to consider the uncomfortable reality that Jesus talked a lot about obedience and in fact said, uh, he does nothing on his own. He, he, he only does what the father shows him to do or tells him to do, that he himself is obedient. And he, he tells his disciples that obedience is basically the same as love. If you want to love me, obey me. And at the same time, you, you can't go half a page in one of the gospels without seeing Jesus disobeying something. I mean, if you just uh, read one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, with the filter, the lens that you were looking for ways that Jesus was obedient and disobedient, you would find disobedience on, on almost every page. He is all the time disobeying the rulers and authorities around him. Now, interestingly, but, uh, here's a little rabbit trail here. <clears throat> he, he never disobeys the governmental leaders, even though he's baited into doing it many times. He never does. He's quite shrewd about how he handles issues like that. He knows that the expectations for the Messiah in the culture at that time were that the Messiah would come and overthrow the oppressive occupying government of the Romans, 
would overthrow all that, would, would lead a rebellion over the governmental authorities. And Jesus expressly does nothing to indicate that that's why he's there. He goes out of his way to sidestep those kinds of questions, but he spends a lot of time upending and disobeying the edicts and guidelines and rules of the religious leaders at the time. In fact, he, he, he baits them into uh, uh, these uh, tense encounters where he disobeys what they think needs to be obeyed. So there's a little rabbit trail for you. He, he is disobedient, but only in certain circumstances. So, and, and he, and he uh, tries to explain to his disciples um, something about the difference between what we call the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant is really represented by the, the Old Testament in the Bible. The old covenant is a system of rules and guidelines and practices for forgiveness and mercy and restoration that were set up to, to make possible an ongoing relationship with God in the context and in the light of the betrayal that, <clears throat> that, that has happened with humanity betraying their relationship with God. So uh, we have the old covenant. There was a, uh, a system of promises of, uh, you could call them quid pro quos, of how this relationship was supposed to be navigated. And then we have the new covenant that Jesus said he came to bring. And that he said the new covenant doesn't obliterate the old covenant, but it fulfills it. So here in Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, he's trying to explain to the Pharisees uh, the, the tension produced by the bringing of the new covenant into an atmosphere that is for centuries and centuries been dictated by the stipulations of the old covenant. So here, Mark 2, 18 through 22. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, well, do wedding guests fast when they're celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So what is Jesus exactly saying to these religious leaders, who, by the way, their whole life revolves around this surface obedience to, to the old covenant law? He's really saying, you, I've, I'm bringing the new covenant, and the new covenant can't be placed down into the old covenant. You can't bring grace and try to plant it in a, a old covenant environment that says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It, it doesn't work. So the, the old covenant is the old wineskins here, and Jesus is about to pour new wine in, and he's not going to use the, the container of the old covenant to pour his new covenant into. The container of the old covenant is a system of rules and regulations that, uh, and a system of forgiveness and restoration that men must follow in order to maintain uh, what you might call a legal stability in their relationship with God. And now Jesus has come to change all that, to fulfill the, the original purpose of that old covenant 
And he is not going to use the stipulations around the old covenant as his container for that. He's warning them that you, that this is just not possible to do. Um, and so obedience becomes a different deal. Now obedience in our relationship with God is not an obedience to an, a set of rules and regulations that are outside of ourselves. He's about to launch a different kind of obedience. It's it, this obedience looks more like a marriage relationship where when you're, in a marriage relationship and you've committed your life to someone and you have said, I will lay down my life for you. Your obedience comes from a place of love and respect and honor rather than a place of stipulation and policing, if you want to call it that. So Jesus is instituting a new uh, platform, a new foundation for obedience. And I thought it'd be interesting here. We're going to do a shorter podcast this time. I'm just going to jump into a few stories where obedience and disobedience is part of the issue in this story, where we take a closer look at how Jesus responded in these situations and why he decided to be obedient or why he decided to be disobedient and see if we can uh, unearth a little bit about, about his heart based on that. So the question we're going to be asking over and over again in these uh, two or three little encounters that we're going to go over here is what is Jesus' standard for obedience in this story? And why is that his standard? What's the standard for obedience? And why is that his standard? So let's first take a look. Uh, let's go back to Mark 2, where we just, we just uh, uh, took a spotlight look at this new wine, new wineskins uh, metaphor that Jesus is using. Let's go back to Mark 2, to the verses that directly follow that. So as soon as he is talking about this whole idea of the new covenant not meshing with the container of the old covenant, uh, he has a discussion about the Sabbath. So this is Mark 2, 23 through 28. Here we go. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, during the days when Abiathar was the high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So if we ask ourselves, what's Jesus standard for obedience in this story and why is that his standard? What comes kind of jumping out is his last sort of summation statement that the Sabbath was made for people. So the Sabbath was made to serve a good purpose in our lives. The Sabbath was made so that we've, so that we would rest and not just physically rest, but rest our soul and reorient ourselves toward our, our singular pursuit of Jesus. The Sabbath was made to help us. And so uh, in that light, um, if the disciples are hungry on a Sabbath day and they're walking through these fields where some portion of the grain has been left uh, for um, anyone to come by and just grab some of that grain, it was part of that old covenant tradition of leaving some of your crop uh, right there in the field so that the poor, those who don't have any food, 
might be able to harvest it. So they're walking through the field and they find some of this and they're hungry, so they eat it. So under the umbrella of uh, what is good for man, um, this, this uh, kind of forswearing, I'm not gonna eat any grain, I'm not gonna glean any grain from this field on the Sabbath, isn't really uh, meshing with the purpose of helping mankind. They're hungry, so they eat. So Jesus is trying to point out there's a higher purpose to these rules and regulations. And you've, and he's saying to this religious leaders, you've lost sight of what that higher purpose is. You've gotten down into the grain of performance and self-justification. That's how you have translated these rules and regulations. Now, now you follow them so that you can feel like you're in good standing. Uh, that's the dictionary definition of self-righteousness that you make yourself righteous. And Jesus is saying, uh, in the new covenant, you don't make yourself righteous, I do. And in the new covenant, there is freedom underneath the higher law. And the higher law here is that the Sabbath was made for man. And he references back what David did when he and his companions were hungry. Their regular human need, which was good and right, was met when they ate um, when they ate the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were supposed to be allowed to eat. Um, Jesus is saying, hey, remember the real purpose of these guidelines and don't get caught up in the micro story. Let's go to another one in Matthew 12, 46 through 50. This is called, uh, in, in this section is, is labeled Jesus and true family. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. And the question again is, what is Jesus' standard for obedience in this story? And why is that his standard? So uh, starting in verse 46, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, well, who's my mother and who are my brothers? And then he pointed to, to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and brother and sister and mother. So here we have this little interlude, this little tense interaction that his mother and brothers, who he's supposed to, um, by the guidelines of his culture and the guidelines of, the, uh, of uh, a normal relationship with God, you're supposed to honor your own family above all. And so if your mother and brothers are waiting outside to talk to you, then you stop talking to the people you're talking to and you go do what they want. And Jesus here is saying, I'm not going to do that. And so what is his standard for obedience in, under this situation? He is saying there's a relationship that demands higher, um, a, a higher fealty, higher uh, um, responsibility, I guess you could say, than just your family relationship. He's pointing to something higher than that. And I think that's an important a, uh, aspect of obedience and disobedience. Right now in our culture, there are people who are disobeying laws because they believe that they're following a higher law or they're answering to a higher authority. And therefore, they're going to disregard or put below um, fealty to other lesser laws and guidelines. And that's what Jesus essentially is saying here is that there's a relationship that demands more of me and expects more of me than just my family relationships. And I'm going to make sure that I'm obeying that. And by extension, he's saying, um, my family is extended out from just my biological family. I also have 
a care and concern and imperative for my true family. And the true family is those of us who have committed ourselves to, to Jesus and have become a part of his family. He calls that his true family. And he's saying, I have a responsibility and, and a desire to serve also my true family. My biological family is important, but if there is a greater need with my true family, then I'm going to choose my true family based on the need, not based on what I'm supposed to do under this culture. Let's take a look at one last story. This is from Matthew 26, 36 through 46. This is Jesus praying in Gethsemane. Here we go. Then Jesus went with them, his disciples, that is, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. And then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. So what is Jesus' standard for obedience here in this story? And why is that his standard? What I'd like to focus on as we close off here is it's his own obedience that I think is, is good to spotlight here. His own obedience is I, uh, he's wrestling with serving the very present agonizing needs that he feels inside. He's wrestling with serving those needs versus serving the needs of what the Trinity has already laid out is the strategy for rescuing mankind. And he's subjugating his own needs for the higher needs that God has given him. And he's saying, I will lay down the, 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 the most intense needs I have as a human being in favor of the need that you've set out before me because I, I'm serving a higher authority than myself. And I think that's fundamentally what some of this comes down to when we think about obedience or, or disobedience. Whose needs are we ultimately serving when we make these decisions? Are we serving the higher needs? Of, are we serving a higher authority and the needs that higher authority has uh, spotlighted for us? Or are we serving our own needs primarily? It's a great question to ask as you make decisions. And of course, we've been given the gift of the spirit of Jesus in us to follow. Um, ultimately, all of this obedience versus disobedience comes down to relationship versus simply following rules and guidelines on a piece of paper. We follow and obey in the context of a relationship, which leaves us all back in a fuzzy place <laughs> Because why couldn't we just say we're following the Spirit and uh, not everyone who says that is, is following the same obedience, right? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't that open up a can of worms for us when we say we're following, we're following the Spirit inside? Well, 
on our Tuesday night gathering with our young adults, they pointed out in such a profound way some excellent boundaries. Our, uh, they, they first highlighted that, yes, our present relationship with the Spirit of Jesus in us is our ultimate foundational reality for how we obey and disobey. We are obeying and disobeying our marriage partner, to put it bluntly, when we listen to and respond to the influence of the Holy Spirit in us. But the guardrails around that relationship are what we see and read in Scripture. So it's very important to be in Scripture on a regular basis because Scripture will scripture, scripture for us a guideline, a, a, a guardrail in our relationship with the Spirit of Jesus. If we feel as though the Spirit of Jesus is leading us to do something or not do something, and it's contrary to what he's revealed in Scripture, then there's a tension we're going to have to deal with when we do that. We, we'll have to admit there, there is a problem we have to solve here because if it's in violation of something in scripture, we need to uh, uh, resolve that dissonance. There's also the guardrail of community. Uh, the community of those who have committed themselves to Jesus is another guardrail. Uh, one of them pointed, one of the young people pointed out, yes, but if you're in a community where everyone just says the thing that you want to hear, that's not a very good guardrail. And that's true. So underneath that other guardrail of community, there comes this e ephemeral thing that we have inside, which is just this sense we have this sense inside, this conviction inside that the Holy Spirit gives us as a gift. And whether, we're not, whether or not we're following that sense or acknowledging that sense or whether we're honest enough to acknowledge that in the first place is important. In the end, uh, our obedience and disobedience can't be boundaried by rules on a page. It has to be serving a higher purpose within the context of these guardrails around it. I think that's, that's where we land with this. So Jesus himself lived his life this way. He lived in close relationship with, with his father and the spirit, and he did or didn't do things that he uh, uh, was given to do or not do by his father and the spirit. He, he comes right out and tells his disciples, this is how I live my life. And this is the life that he's inviting us into as well. All right, gang. That's uh, season five, episode 22 of Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. Uh, if you want to learn more about um, the, the links that I've talked about here, just going to pay, go to pay ridic paintridiculousattentiontojesus.com and look for the links on that page. Again, uh, my new email address is rick at ricklawrence.com. And you can go to that, uh, that page, uh, season five, episode 22, and click on a link to be added to my email list if you'd like. And I will see you on the other side for our, our next episode, episode 23. Not sure if it'll be next week or the week after, but it's coming. We'll see you then.